Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are crossing over the halfway point in this series that we've just called Playing in the Rain. And with that, it's, it's the concept that as we embrace God's lordship in our life and we let him be king in our life, that it's something that should be enjoyable. It's something that should be awesome and wonderful. It's something that we should be able to play in and enjoy him being lord in our lives. So many times we, we pull back from that concept of lordship and it's creepy and letting somebody else kind of guide us and direct us can seem so odd and, and messed up and certainly not American and certainly not Texan. You know, I mean, we, we do our own stuff. I'm my own boss. And, and uh, for the most part, that doesn't work out too well for us because so many times we don't even have the right perspective. We don't even see, we're not even seeing things from the right angle. And years ago, I got the opportunity to, to get my, my private pilot's license. I never got much, I didn't get much beyond just basic VFR. It needed to be a nice, pretty day for me to be out and uh, allowed to fly. But with that, then I got the opportunity to, to fly some people around and got in this you know, little bitty plane and, and would fly some people around right after um, 9-11 in 2001. Of course, they shut down all air traffic, rightly so, and then slowly began to release it. Where there were some events and whatnot that, uh, that needed to be attended by the guy who was my pastor. In fact, Reuben was on this flight I'm about to reference. Reuben Ramirez was in the plane with me. And um, anyway, so at some point in the fall of um, 2001, then they let the little guys begin to fly around. And so I was flying Reuben and, and uh, a small team over to Del Rio, which is just straight south from here, and just flying straight south to Del Rio. And I didn't have fancy GPS in the plane. I didn't have fancy all that stuff. I had good old uh, sectionals, which are maps, and be able to fly by that. And I kind of pretty much, I found the highways and would follow 277, and, and I would just kind of fly like that. And so, hey, why are you laughing? You do the same thing. And so I pretty much drove there in the air. And, and so, anyways, but that way I didn't get lost. I mean, you know, people are trusting me. I'm the guy with the, the knowledge in the plane. Well, the problem is, is, you know, your sectional, you hold it, and everything's, there's things written on it. You know, there's a top, which is north, and Del Rio is due south. I mean, just fly straight south. So I'm looking at the sectional and following everything along there and not recognizing um, they don't have things exactly laid out. So I'm looking at the sectional and I see that Del Rio International Airport, according to my sectional, is sitting on the right side of the lake, the right-hand side of the lake. And I'm like, okay, well, we get there and we fly in. I hit Del Rio International, Air, their, their little airspace, contact their tower. And they say, all right, 6-1 Lima Victor, would you like vectors to the airport? And I reply, and I was like, no, we're going to just look at the lake for a little bit. We were ahead of schedule. We're just going to see the lake. They're like, okay. So we're flying over the lake and seeing the lake and seeing the stuff and doing a little sightseeing. Keep going further and further south, approaching the border. And a little bitty plane, flying low, (laughs) being evasive. We're just seeing. 
and stuff. Let's go look over here. Let's go look over here. Let's get low. Come back on. 6-1 leaving Victor. Would you like vectors to the airport? Now, no, I know where the airport is. I'm good. We're still seeing it. And I'm like, okay, the airport's over here on the right-hand side of the lake. I see, I've got my sectional. It's on the right-hand side of the lake. And uh, all of a sudden, this, this control uh, tower comes on and is adamant. They are yelling at me. 6-1 Lima Victor, turn 090 now. I was going to turn a 270. I was going to turn to the right. I was going to turn this way in the plane. So, man, that just jacked with me. I was like, why is this guy telling me to turn the exact wrong direction? And I'm just sitting there, and I don't do anything. I'm just listening. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out, and then he is on there just barking at me. Turn 090 now, and I'm getting closer and closer and closer to the, flying into Mexico airspace. And I don't even realize I'm doing that. And so finally, I just blind, I have no idea why this crazy person on the air traffic control is telling me to turn 090. But I know he's like about to scramble jets. He is about to get stuff going. I'm about to meet the, the homeland security people in a way I don't want to. And uh, so I just do it. I just comply. I turn 090 and turn, and there's the airport. Oh, my gosh. And Reuben was, Reuben was in the plane with me. And I'm like, what's the airport doing over here? And then I remembered. I, had, I should have turned my sectional and aligned it with the way I was flying. You turn, you know, oh, it is on that side of the lake. Wow, what an amazing thing. But the thing was, is I was convinced, as convinced, as convinced as could be. That was right. I had it. I saw it here. They did not move the airport since the last time they made this map. I'm looking at it. There's the lake. There's the airport. I was convinced, as convinced could be, that I properly understood the situation. That I properly got it and I was making all my consequential decisions, all my other decisions that, that carried more weight than I even recognized based on faulty information. And thankfully, there was somebody else who understood the situation differently and better than I did that could give me direction. And the only thing that took place, they could not grab a hold of that, of that yoke and make that turn. They couldn't do it. All they could do was give the direction. I was still in control. But I had to be willing to take their word over my own idea. Folks, as we step into really embracing the lordship of Jesus, this is where it begins to get difficult. It's because there will be moments, there will be parts of your life, your decision-making process, just things, the way you deal with other people. There are going to be things that you're going to be convinced you've got this right. I've got this figured out. I understand this. This is right. I feel good about this. This is, I, I'm, I'm on track. And then the Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak to you and ask you to turn in a whole different direction. Turn in a complete different direction from the direction you're going. And it's in that moment where you decide if he's Lord or not. Are you saying that I like Jesus when he aligns with what I already like? 
Or I'm going to trust Jesus even when the direction he has for me doesn't jive with what I already like. How am I going to do this? Because see, lordship trumps our own choices. It, it supersedes it. And when we begin to let him really be Lord is when we go, okay, I don't get this at all. I don't understand this at all. I don't understand why I'm turning 090 right now. But I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, everything can begin to come together on the back side of it. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 again. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Remember, we talked about this in the previous weeks. It seems kind of contradictory, that somehow that where the Spirit of Lordship is, that there's freedom. But see, where we're able to give more and more control, it should make sense. Where we give more and more control to someone who is smarter, loves us more, loves the people we love more, all of those different things. That's why we can trust God with our relationships, because he loves you and he cares about you in the relationship, but he loves the people you love more than you love them. And so therefore we can invite him into our relationships and how those are work and how those go down. He loves us all more than we can understand. And so it brings freedom because he's got more power, more wisdom, more authority. It brings freedom. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We think about, we, we chew on these ideas of God's glory are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. As the air traffic controller gave me 090, and I sat into my period of contemplation, where I did nothing. Air traffic controller didn't appreciate that. But I'm sitting there, and I begin, uh, dawned on me, of course, this is the authority. I've already had to contact the tower once, because I did something wrong. Um, I don't want that again. Um, they're smarter than me. They know. And I begin to think about the weight of the air traffic controller. Then at that point, then I was able to embrace the transformation that they were going to get. That the air traffic controller has been doing this longer than me, knows more than me, is, is from this area, knows all of this. And now I can begin to defer to that and contemplate the weight, the authority, all of that of that air traffic controller. Then all of a sudden now, then my heart can begin to, my mind can begin to shift and be transformed into what they were asking of me. See, that is why it is so important for us to have a proper understanding of who God is. When you have the wrong mindset of God and you begin to contemplate that, if you have the mindset that God is mad at you, that he's looking to try to control you or punish you or any of that kind of stuff, first off, you don't want to think about that. That's scary. The guy that created the universe has it out for you. That's scary. You don't want to think about that. You push that aside, and then if you do think about it, then all of a sudden it just makes you want to pull back. But when you begin to contemplate and think about that the God of the universe loved you so much that he sent his son to, to die in your place, to take care of all of the, the sin and shame and make everything right, that God was in Christ reconciling you to himself, that his relationship with you was so important that he took care of it even when you didn't give a rip. When you begin to think about that weight and that goodness of God and you have that mindset, well, then all of a sudden that begins to draw you in. 
When you begin to think of, of that, that God is for you, that he's good and caring and loving, that if we're going to define God in one word, that it's love. And we think about the implications and what that means. We think about his weight. Well, then we're transformed into his image. That's why it's so important we understand who God is in, a, in the proper way. That's why we spend a lot of time talking to you about the heart of God and the goodness of God. Why? Because at Celebration Church, this thing where we contemplate the Lord's glory and are transformed into his image, that's a fancier way of saying knowing God better and trusting him more. We contemplate and we begin to know him, understand him. And then as we trust, that's where the transformation comes in. The direction of that 6-1 Lima Victor plane did not transform until I trusted and acted. Then all of a sudden, things begin to yield. And the will of the air traffic controller that was good and pleasing and perfect, get us in the right place, landed safely where we were supposed to be, got lived out. That's what God wants for us. But there is always in that in that in our hearts is that, that tension. Especially where we feel like we have it figured out. So we need to understand this: that to play in the reign of Jesus as Lord, it means letting his ways become our ways. Because it's dangerous when there's two different ways. We talk about the kingdom of God. Well, any kingdom is the domain, the dominion, where the king rules. So it's the, it's the way the king works. We drive on the right side of the road because we're in America, and that's the laws, the dominion of the United States. We drive over here on this side, the proper side of the road, in my opinion. That's why it's the right side. And uh, we went on a cruise, and we uh, were in the Bahamas, um, which drive on the other side of the road. And they're telling you, right outside the little cruise ship dock, there's all of these places where you can rent these little scooters, these little motorcycles. And they're saying, please do not rent the motorcycles. Don't rent the scooters. You may be proficient on a motorcycle. You may be awesome at riding a scooter. But everybody drives on the other side of the road. And there are more people on cruises end up in hospitals and hurt thinking they can go see the island on their own, and they're not used to its ways. There's this transformation period. It's dangerous to try to co-mingle the two different ways. And part of us stepping in to the embracing Jesus as Lord is letting his ways become our ways. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, because Paul drops this amazing truth that when we get the weight of this, my goodness, all of a sudden it begins to change everything. He drops this amazing truth just casually, just, just throws it up there and it's like, blows your mind. 1 Corinthians 4 1 says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I love it that. Paul, who had a revelation, saw a blinding light in Damascus, on the road to Damascus. Had connected with God and had this amazing revelation that he didn't call it the truths and principles that I fully understand. That Paul calls it 
the mysteries. I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. I'm still growing in this. It's just, God is still bigger than we can fully wrap our, our, our normal human minds around. He said, go ahead. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they must be found faithful. But with, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. It's like the fact that you're judging me, it ain't a big deal to me. I'm not going to worry too much about this. It's a small thing to me. It'd be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Folks, we want to do this. We want to be the judge of self. We want to be able to look and say, I'm right or I'm wrong or any of these things. But Paul was able to do it because he just said, I don't even, I'm not even going to judge myself. I'm not even going to judge me. He says, for I'm not aware of anything against myself. As far as I know. I'm not doing anything that needs to be adjusted or is off. But I'm not thereby acquitted. Another translation says that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm perfect, that I have it all together. I'm just not aware of anything that I need to adjust right now. See, at Celebration Church, our discipleship process isn't to get some people to look on the outside of your life and to go, man, you really need to... You need to change this, and you need to stop this, and you need to start this. Because here's the truth. As we could all pick each other apart all day. We could pick ourselves apart all day. So what we've decided is that there's, there's one who can make those determinations the best. There's one who can do that, and that's God alone. And we're going to leave room for God to be God. So what we're going to do is we're going to let the Holy Spirit do His job, and then we're going to try... To do the, the role that we're called to do, which is be the body of Christ. Which the body of Christ over and over again is simply asked to just lovingly serve. That is it. Just lovingly serve. Not judge. Not do any of that stuff. Just lovingly serve. And let the Spirit of God bring the change and the transformation in our lives. And Paul has done that even to the point of with himself. And sometimes we can go, you know what? I'll let everybody else kind of do that. But we still want to judge ourselves. We want to judge our motives when we think we're in the right. Man, I was, I, I'm totally good here. Get in an argument with your wife and you're like, man, I'm, I'm totally good. I'm totally good. That woman's off. She is messed up. She needs some help. And then you get quiet before God. And then you realize the Holy Spirit reveals, man, there's was some... Some stuff inside your heart that was coming out there that you didn't even know. It was guiding your decisions. It was guiding your tone. It was guiding your things. We, I just said I was completely all right, and I didn't realize that there were some places that were off. I would have judged myself okay, and I would have been wrong. We're all familiar with the places where we beat ourselves up. We judge ourselves and are hard on ourselves. We won't forgive ourselves and deal with all that kind of stuff, and that's... That's the worst kind. You see, here's the problem. Is when we put ourselves as judge, we'll either strike the gavel and we'll condemn ourselves. 
Or we'll look at our lives and strike the gavel and go, yeah, you're all okay. Nothing, you're fine the way you are. And what we need to do is take the gavel and put it in the hands of God and say, God, you love me and you're for me and you only want good. And I'm going to trust you that because the sin part has already been dealt with and anything you're wanting to change in my life is just making me more like you. More like you. That's all you're wanting to do is let me be the, who I'm really called to be all along. See, Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, even as high <coughs> as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then John 16, 13 says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He's going to help us with our next steps. He's going to help us with our next steps. We want to figure it out. We do this every New Year's Day. Sit down and go, okay, this is how I can be the better me that I want to be. And then we throw them all away. Um, that shows we're just kind of natural-born hypocrites, folks. We don't need the Bible to make us hypocrites. <laughs> we just need our own things that we self-assess to be hypocrites. And so what it's just saying is, is we understand that there's a bigger us that we were built to be, that we dream to be, and that on our own strength we fail. That's why we need God at work in our lives. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will help you to align your thoughts with his thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 says, For who among men knows thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, <clears throat> no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We don't know. We don't know. But this is what we have to do. We have to be on page with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Years ago, I had a young man come up to us when we were at the movie theater. And this is, of course, this is a Sunday morning, okay? Um, you know, I think most people would agree, you know, being drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning, you got a pretty early start. And so, you got a pretty, pretty early start. I don't care who you are. And so, and um, anyways, and so this guy came to church. I was so thankful. I was so thankful. But man, I, you could have caught a buzz just by... Talking to him. I mean, he was, he was lit. And, and uh, by the way, us old people, when you say lit, um, <laughs> that means drunk. Okay? You know, you're over 40 and you say so-and-so was lit. Uh, they're like, man, they needed, they needed a, a designated driver. That's what that means. And so, <laughs> sorry, babe. Anyways. But anyways, he came, had, had a fantastic experience. I am so grateful to be able to pastor a church like you guys because he made it through the whole service. Nobody condemned him. Nobody gave him a hard time. Y'all were so loving, and your embrace was so amazing. And I'm so grateful to be able to be at a church that somebody can come to church drunk and be loved on. Thank you. Thank you. But he comes up for prayer, and he wants, he's like, man, I'm an alcoholic. 
I'm like, okay, track him. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, I just need prayer. I just need prayer for, for the, to, to just get rid of this alcohol that's messing up my life. And I'm just, I just need prayer for this. And I'm like, okay. And I just almost went to pray with him on that. Man, the Holy Spirit stopped me. And it's like, that's, that's not his front burner issue. He's got an issue that's driving him to drink. He's got an issue that's making him want to hide and numb his feelings. And so I just went there. So we're sitting there, and people are rolling up cords all around us. We had to get out of the movie theater. And, and um, I was like, man, I said, I, I, we'll pray for that. I said, but I want to pray for, for what's, what's pushing you there. I said, in fact, I don't even care if you get drunk tonight. I said, I don't even care. I said, let's, let's, let's not make that the front burner issue. Let's, let, let's take all the pressure off of that, and let's put the weight on what's the hard issue. And he looks at me, and he just starts bawling. He just starts weeping. And, man, and we had a wonderful time of prayer. We had a wonderful time. And, man, and he went out of there free. And he shows up a couple weeks later. And it's like, ooh, Pastor Brandon, I've not been getting drunk. I still drink, but I'm not getting drunk. <laughs> and, man, I just feel so much better. And, and man, I'm telling you, man, it was, his, it was progress. It was his next step. And if we'd have been judgmental, if you'd have been judgmental, he wouldn't have stayed for the whole service to have that moment. He wouldn't have. He'd have bolted. He'd have bolted. And then as he came forward, we get on page with the Holy Spirit. Folks, we can look on the outside so many times of ourselves and others and go, okay, well, this is what needs to get fixed. But we want to be where the Holy Spirit knows what's going on, knows what's going on, and lead us into all truth and, and show us what is yet to come. Our yet to come is our next step. That's our yet to come. We say a lot around here is where are you and which way forward from here. That's it. That's how we grow as Christ followers. It's not complex. We be honest. It's raw. It hurts sometimes. But it's not complex. It's where are you? And let the Holy Spirit define that. And which way forward from here? And let the Holy Spirit define that. And I'm here to say, you know what? I believe you can hear the voice of God. And I believe that voice is going to affirm that he loves you and he's for you. And he's going to carry you more and more and more into the image of his son. Why? Because growth is a natural process. Paul hits on this in 1 Corinthians 11. When I was a child, I talked as a child. <clears throat> I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things, ways behind me. There's a becoming process. And that's, we're all in it. We're all in the process. And we need to embrace that. That's how we play in the rain. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. One of the things that sets itself up against the knowledge of God is this misinformation about God that He doesn't like you or that He hates you or that He set against you. And that will keep you distanced from the real knowledge of God, that he wants to be your father and be effective in your life. That he loves you and he's for you. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. See, folks, the Holy Spirit will help us to begin to make life-giving choices. Okay? Now, we're about to read a little extended passage of Scripture, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. And this is 
Paul writing to the church that he helped found in Ephesus. This is to church people. This is to first century church people that we can sometimes romanticize. Because these are the people that, that, that embraced this. That took it on when, it, when there wasn't a church on every corner. Where there wasn't cool graphics and air conditioning and, and some stuff to be able to, to, to eat and drink in the foyer. And, and, and where there was, there, there was oppression. Where people, it was costly to begin to follow Christ. And the, and the whole world was changed as these early Christ followers embraced it. And we can begin to think that, man, they had this, they, they placed their faith in Christ. And then they were these perfect little Christians all from the beginning. Man, the first century church, the early church, man, they just had it together. And man, there's some stuff, man, they saw signs and wonders and miracles and stuff like we need to see today, honestly. It's just the truth. But man, I tell you what, so many times we can forget how normal people they were. And Paul dealt with normal stuff. Let's look. At where Paul gets late in the letter. He didn't bring this stuff up early. He's encouraging. Read Ephesians. It's encouraging. And he gets to this late in the letter in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. There's a handful of people in this early church, the Ephesian church, who were liars. Lied to their neighbors. Had a reputation for lying. Speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. He had some people in the church that got angry and it caused them to sin. Caused them to lose it. Maybe have a little uh, old back alley meeting. I don't know what all went down, but there were some promises. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Folks, I tell you what, so many times when we hang on to our anger and we hang on to resentment and we hang on to that thing, all we're doing is giving the enemy a foothold in our lives because God is forgiving and he is loving. And when we hang on to stuff that's not forgiving and not loving, we're not becoming more and more Christ-like. We're not. We're letting the enemy play havoc in our lives. It says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. There's some, some of the church folks that you, you, you know, you checked your wallet after you hugged them. They were some thieves in the church. He says, and he just says, just don't do that. Don't do it. He's not heavy-handed. But, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. Then he may have something to share with those in need. You ought to be able to, to want to be generous. You ought to be able to want to be helping those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. There's some foul-mouthed church people. People dropping all sorts of four-letter words in Ephesus. He's like, you know, don't let unwholesome stuff come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful to building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of, <clears throat> for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Man, I'm telling you what, he, he, he's covering a bunch of stuff that honestly, 
there are those of us who need some, some help on these fronts too. We just do. Church in Ephesus looked a lot like Celebration Church. <laughs> we, we, all, we need help. We're growing. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And I want us to look at this. I want us to go out of this with our, on our minds. Was there some life transformation that needed to happen? Yeah. Was there some stuff that was unhealthy taking place? Yes. Were there some stuff that needed to shift? Absolutely. Yes. But what on earth? What is the thing that is the catalyst for this? How are we, what's the foundation they're building on? It says, be kind and compassionate for one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You're forgiven. He was reminding them that they're forgiven people. That there are people in right relationship with God. That they have some unhealthy stuff happening in their life. Yes, but it wasn't disconnecting them from God or driving them out. They, they're to operate and grow from a foundation of their forgiveness. He points them back to the fact that they're in relationship with God. And, and that there's that foundation of forgiveness all along. That's why we talk about the grace and the love of God so much here. It's because that is our foundation. That is our foundation. Folks, we subtitled this message, The Splash Zone. We got our little graphic up here where somebody had jumped and made a big splash. And you know, you've been to some of the Sea World and you can sit in the splash zone. And, and the splash zone is not the point of impact. It's not the point of impact. The splash zone is the part impacted by the point of impact. Christ, the point of impact, is, is our hearts. has changed us. We've stepped over from death to life. But there should be a splash zone in our lives. There should be areas impacted by that point of impact. And you know what? And it comes later. The bigger the impact, man, sometimes that, that Shamu, man, he'd get splashed so high it felt like it was raining. That stuff went up so high and there was this delay. You almost could have run out from under it. Sometimes it comes a little later. It's okay that maybe in your life it's, it's coming a little later. There's no judgment or weight on that. Let's just say, God, in, in screen, increase the splash zone in my life. You have impacted me so much. Let that impact impact other things. Impact the rest of me. Impact my family. Impact the way I interact with strangers on the street. Let me be more like you on every front. Folks, our bottom line today is we don't change to be forgiven. We change because we are forgiven. That's it. We're forgiven people. We're forgiven people. We're in relationship with God because of what Christ has done. And, we're, and we engage with him because he's still at work in our lives. That is what playing in the rain is all about. Is letting him continue to work in our lives. Continue to transform. Continue to change. That's what this is about. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.